tangible to kind of anchor ourselves to when we've been in the throes of whatever human condition led us off track, yes? So um, tonight we're going to be taking a look at step two. Before we do that, on this evening at 6.15, the door is open. Family members, regardless of how long you've been here programming, those of you who are programming, and let other people that don't come to the group know, your families are welcome to come here and spend a little time with you before the meeting and then see what you're doing in your new life post-release. And the same thing on Saturday, Chap does a, a recovery church service. He brings a lot, of, a lot of power to it, and he's been ministering to people just like all of us for lots of years. He knows how to meet you where you are, and your family's welcome to come and see you in that light, too. Fair enough? And then some of you who have been following what's going on with New Freedom and people in the community, some of you have watched me come in a camel hair jacket and announce the camels are coming. And then you saw me come here without a jacket for two weeks and tell you that when we were a kid, when you got ready to fight, you took your jacket off. And now you see me return to status quo. But as I was discussing with Chap, we never remain the same. We came back better than before. But make no mistake, New Freedom does everything right as witnessed to by independent audits. And those forces who have spoken falsely against us, you should stand down because you have come up against the people of God and you will lose. And now we're going to have a little conversation about step two. How many of you felt that when we... That's the power we call God. That happens in you. And we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving a demonstration. That revelatory power, that sensory power, that overcoming power, that sense that it's all okay, it's always been okay, and it's always going to be okay. That's what we want you to grow in consciousness of. Fair enough? All right, so it's a little chapter, chapter 4, page 44, and it's a chapter called We Agnostics. So you got to, when they say we in this book, who are they talking about? So it's not an agnostic you met last week who has a violent, you know, a very important, profound opinion. Because this is a book of experience. This is their testimony. So when they say we, they're talking about the first 100 or some subset thereof. Does that make sense? In the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. Did any of you learn something of alcoholism or addiction in the preceding chapter? We hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. Have they made that clear? What is the distinction? Hear? Yeah, that, that manifestation of the allergy. It may be a manifestation of an allergy. He did not know. It's a bit of a phenomena, he said. That's what the doctor said. So, how many of you are drinkers? When you drank, did you find that alcohol energized you? Yes! So, Alcohol is a sedative. So people who are energized by a sedative are having what 
a medical person might call an abnormal reaction or a manifestation of an allergy. Where's my opiate addicts? Do you guys get busy after you slam that shit? That's an abnormal reaction to what should have been a powerful sedative. Where's my meth addicts? I have watched you guys slam that shit and nod out. That is an abnormal reaction to a stimulant. Have we roughly identified whether or not we fit? Okay, so they're going to help us with some questions because they don't all talk quite as freely as I do about these street-level experiences. <laughs> if, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, how many of you had that discovery? They, they put in a qualification there. If, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. That means stop and stay stopped. Or, if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take. How many of you have had that discovery? How many of you never had that discovery because you never tried to control it? <laughs> A lot of us don't learn that piece until we try and stop and stay stopped and find we cannot. But either one of those, if you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic, one of those two. So this is for you to identify. So as we're doing a wrap-up, all the steps are always all-inclusive. So we're not going to go into two until we've conceded in one, right? Okay. So if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Now, the, that's the first 100's experience, not their opinion. That's their experience from what they'd seen. This is the book of the first 100 and their story of the first several thousand men and women who've recovered from alcoholism. So they say to us, if you're this guy, you may not be able to get well without a spiritual experience. Okay? All right? So then it says, to one who feels he's atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. So how many of you thought yourself to be atheist or agnostic or a little wishy-washy at least in where your belief system came from, right? Atheists, is, I, they have a much more firm opinion. God does not exist. The agnostic has a less firm opinion. God cannot be proven to exist. Basically, it means without knowledge of God. Yes? Okay. Um, but it says, but to continue as he is means disaster. How many of you have concluded at least that? This is why it's a come-to-believe step. Nothing in this step says we come to believe in God. It says we come to believe in power. So I'm going to come to believe in power when I'm ready to admit that I need power to overcome the condition that I have denied I had. Does that make sense? Especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. Have any of you concluded that you just might be that guy or that woman? Okay. So we might need to read further just in case. So they give us an alternative. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. 
Why does Sean find that so humorous? Happy, joyous, and free, alcoholic death. Pick one. How many of you have had such an alternative and said, perhaps I overreacted. So they're not always easy, and that's why we have to be so crystal clear. I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm telling you what I found I had to do. I doubt I'd have made much progress had I not taken action. Here's the action I took. But no action that I'm going to take, given that I am indeed powerless, is going to have any effect until I've encountered this power we're going to meet tonight. Does that make sense? But it isn't so difficult about half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. What type? Atheist or agnostic. Declared. They didn't remain so, but I'll show you that too. Okay? At first of us, some of, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. How many of you had a case that I'm not that bad yet? All the way to a sentence. Or homelessness. Or wherever. Yeah, I go to bushes, you guys go to yards. I mean, how? <laughs> We eventually meet, right? <laughs> but after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. I'm going to have to find a spiritual basis of life because unbeknownst to me, I was living a spiritual basis of life, just the wrong spirit. Why do you think they call alcohol spirits? The spirit of what was. But if I hope to live, I need to be walking in the spirit that is. Does it make sense? But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. They didn't say our opinion shows. Our collective wisdom, our hundreds of years of abstinence, none of those things did they say. They had a radical delivery through an experience that took them from who they had been to who they would be as a result of an encounter and a few simple practices. So it says, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. How many of you tried upgrading your morals and philosophies? How'd that work out? Given that we're meeting here, I'm assuming we had similar experiences. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. Are we with them? We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. How many of you can relate to them to needing a power that can provide philosophical comfort? That's not going to come from out there. That's what alcohol used to do for me temporarily. Methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin. But then it made it worse. Anyone else? Hmm. Power to philosophically comfort me. That's what I need. Otherwise, I will medicate. 
Do you see why the not pick up plan doesn't work for people like us? Because I am a person who picks up no matter what. Because I don't give a shit about the drug. What I care about is the philosophical comfort. I got to quiet the storm within me. Make sense? Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Can we relate to them? Okay. Lack of power. That was our dilemma. What is a dilemma? Everyone said, I don't like to be the guy that does definitions, but sometimes the definitions are interesting. A dilemma is finding oneself at a place where there are only two equally objectionable courses. Spiritual growth, attic death. I'm pretty familiar with attic death. Not so sure about the spiritual growth thing. Let's, let's decide tomorrow. Anyone relate? Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Notice what they said. How many of you have recognized that the power to live, though in you, is not of you? You've recognized it because you've seen people pass doing the very same things you did, but here you are and there they went. And sometimes, many of us intended to not wake up, and yet there we were again. Not only do I not have the power on my own, but I can't banish it on my own, seemingly. Anyone have that experience? So it gets to be a little more serious when we realize the power to live is also the power to philosophically comfort me. How many of you discovered in your addiction and in your lifestyle that you had a power in you that wanted to die that was residing with the one that wanted to live in the same temple? So which one you want to talk to? Which one you want to empower? You want to empower power the one that wants to live, yes? Okay. So that's why we're moving in here through here. Obviously, but where and how were we to find this power? So I'm not going to call that question until they give us some instruction. I hate to have a room full of people who demand instant satisf satisfaction and gratification. So I'm going to take you to page 55, and then we'll come back. Because if we leave you hanging without an answer, people take apart furniture, they do all kinds of... <laughs> I got tweakers in here, man. They go crazy. They get, you can't leave them hanging. So on page 55, they say, actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. That's been mistaught for years. Not, not as silly as you know, your higher power of your understanding that you make a light bulb or a doorknob, that's just silly. But this is not a God of your creation. You are a creation of the power we call God. So the fundamental idea of your creator is within you. Your ideas are the main problem. That's what they said. If you're these people, where's the main problem? The attic center, in the mind. Therefore, not a good idea for an insane guy to be creating the creator. <laughs> not that I haven't tried. 
How many of you have met them? The one sent from God. Many of you while in treatment. Um, The fundamental idea of God is found deep down inside every man, woman, and child. That's just fact. Hold on to it. And then let's talk about what they discovered, regardless of belief. Fair enough? It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it's there. So my consciousness, my awareness of being aware of this idea, this power and purpose in my life has been obscured by calamity. The way the world treats me, the way I respond to the world. Pomp. Any of you relate to pomp? When good things happen, I did it. And when bad things happen, y'all did it. And then worship of other things in a room full of people that have been chasing a pipe or a syringe or a, we understand that's a that's a worship. Here, take all of me. <laughs> but I don't have anyone like me. Surrendered every fucking thing multiple times. Okay, so those things have obscured my consciousness, my awareness of being aware. For faith and power greater in ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Notice how they're calling our attention to a sensory experience they know we've all had. How many of you have had a friend? One of you. <laughs> what happened? Wait, wait, let me see the tweakers again. Y'all had lots of friends. Some we couldn't see. Co cocaine addicts, too. Y'all had a closet full of them. The heroin addict slept through it, Lance. <laughs> um, so if you've ever had a feeling for a friend, you know enough about God to get started. And we're not saying, for you more religious, no one is trying to tell you that God is a feeling, because that's not true. What I am telling you is your awareness of the feeling is the power we call God. Now you'll know, now you'll get to know the driver of the skin suit you're walking around in. Okay. So sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there, capital H. So this, the whole manner of living is starting to make little sense, right? For one thing, I've been looking outside of myself to feel better all my life. Better job, better drug, better relationship. Anyone else with me? And the needed power wasn't there. I was looking in the wrong place. i got to go inward. The answers for you are in you. And sometimes I'm going to have to search fearlessly, which is going to require a power greater than me, because fearlessly does not mean without fear. It means in spite of the fear. In we go. Does that make sense? Okay, and then it says, sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. So they're telling you that they were wrong. They came to believe based on this process. So they came, they came to, they came to believe. It's a process. You're going to believe you're sick before you seek a healer. 
and when you meet the healer, you're going to walk in to your sanctification. That's just the way it is. Does that make sense? And that's what the disciplines and the practice teach. All right. So I'm going to go back now to 45. And it says, obviously, but where and how are we to find this power? And now we've answered the question for you. Where are we going to find it? And how are we going to find it? We're going to search fearlessly. So having had this encounter in two, it would make sense that this power I encounter in two is going to empower my prayer in three so that I can go inward and find the great reality within me. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater in yourself which will solve your problem. Now, they wrote that to thousands and now millions of people, and they've never been wrong. How many of you have found that this power within you has indeed provided a solution to many of your perceived problems? That means we've written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral, and it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. There you go. So if you haven't been here before, when we say God, you say power. We don't want anyone confused. We're not talking about theologies here. We're talking about relationships with power greater than ourselves operating through ourselves. Power to be kinder than I feel like being. Power to love the unlovely. Power to tolerate the intolerable. Yes? Okay. Here difficulty arises with agnostics. Why do they know that? How many of you have had profound deliverance, profound experiences of God, and then a jam comes up, and you go, don't see any way through this, son of a bitch. <laughs> we do it, because we're doubters by nature. But he made a way. Okay, many times we talk to a new man and watch his hopes rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. In the old days, they used to explain to you, you were not in the program by sitting in a chair. You were in the fellowship. And that matters because you can sit in the fellowship, never engage in the manner of living, and if you're not as seriously sick as me, you might sit there for years miserable. I don't stick long. I, I'm a bit of a magician. I got a little disappearing act in me. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. Why do we got to make that interchangeable for people? Because half of us are atheists or agnostics. The other half are some kind of legalist believer still dying in their addiction. So they're lacking the power to put into practice the very precepts they know so well. So we need, en we need encounter and then we need engagement. On the regular, yeah? Okay. For we've reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. If you're new or you're new to being shown this from this book in this way, your only requirement of you is to share your honest doubt and prejudice with whomever you've asked for help. We can't help you if you don't. If you will share your honest doubt and prejudice, the power will introduce itself to you through us because we have agreed to be conduits of that power. But if you're just being silly 
then you get to be silly. It's a very polite power. Um, See this? I'm just. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Sound familiar? Some of you are students of another book. I'm standing out here, Joe. Let me in. Your life will get better. I don't know. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. How many people here have a bad idea when people talk about God because you were mistreated by a church? So let me be the one to apologize for whatever church that is. I am deeply sorry you were hurt by people in the church. And now I want you to not stay in that resentment, but provide better experiences for the next people coming because you're going to encounter power to do better. Yes? So with that rejection, we imagine we had get abandoned the God idea entirely. How many of you just threw it away? It doesn't make any sense when you say power, does it? I never abandoned the power idea even when I didn't want to hear about God. Effective. They, the guy that wrote this book really went out and analyzed companies for Wall Street. And he would come back and do these detailed reports teaching people all the reasons why they should make an investment and, and how and what and what have you. He lay, it would lay out a case for why this made sense. When he was charged to write this book, he laid out the case of why it's more logical to believe than not to believe based on the collective experience. That's why you don't alter it. That's why you don't make shit up. You don't say, my sponsor says, put an egg in your pocket. <laughs> because the power is in the testimony. So we give a fuck what your sponsor says. <laughs> I'd like to hear from God direct. Thank you very much. Okay. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. Any of you know what they're talking about? They get a little wordy, but we're looking around and go, okay, loving God. Sure looks like it. Look under the freaking bridge. Yes? We looked askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. Any of you ever see somebody uh, have a little human breakout in them that you <laughs> thought were sanctified already? <laughs> How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? Have you ever asked that question? When they put a question mark in this book, because it's a textbook, you've got to go inward. Eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. So what they're telling you is, how could a supreme being, if I relate to that, how could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? Maybe above my pay grade, I don't know why. And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Next question. Do you agree with Sean? The supreme being seemingly should be able to comprehend a supreme being, if indeed comprehension of a supreme being is required at all. That's two is above my pay grade. 
I was told a long time ago that the, the significant wisdom of God was not that he knew all things because he created all things, but the fundamental wisdom of God is that he knows he is not that which he created. That's why he said, I am. <laughs> Pre-existent. Anyway, some of you are feeling that because I'm still feeling you feel it. That's the power we call God. That doesn't happen from up here. That happens in you when you get a little revelation of why we've gone insane trying to figure stuff out that's way above our pay grade. Anyway, Okay, so yet in other moments we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? So now they're bringing us back down to earth. Here I am, my human self, my finite self in my little skin suit. And here I am in nature, and I'm on a starlit night. And I'm like, wow, this is so beautiful. You ever had that experience? So awe-inspired by something in nature, it's almost an out-of-body experience. You almost can see yourself seeing something. And they describe it. There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. So they are describing their experience of consciousness. When time seems to slow down and you are set apart. How many of you have been in a dangerous situation? Any of you? Look who I'm talking to. Did you notice time seemed to slow down? In that car wreck, in that fight, in that, you experienced your consciousness. Where's my athletes? The perfect play, the perfect pass, the perfect tackle, the perfect throw, the perfect shot. You ever do that? Look, looked impossible to everyone else, but you never doubted. You went right and did whatever it was, yes? When that happened, you experienced your intuitive self. Another one of the names of the power we call. Notice how all of those are tangible. Notice how all of those are sensory. Notice how all of those are relevant experiences to your human experience, yes? God is tangible and relevant. Don't let anyone tell you different. Power to live, okay? So it says, yes, we have agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. Why did I spend so much time trying to help you? Because I gotta find myself with them. So if you've had any of those experiences and you cared to have one, now you've encountered that power we were talking about. Does that make sense? All right. Let us make haste to reassure you we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power which is God. So the power is God. All of us are doubters by nature. We can argue for days about what God is or is not, but God doesn't enter in that argument. He simply says, I am. So let's not argue. We're here to win friends, not arguments. Okay? Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Why? God's not a conception, and every, none of us can fully define or comprehend. Theirs is every bit as flawed as mine. If I'm into conceptions. Now, if I'm into experiences, I might want somebody that can help me enhance my experience. Okay? Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. 
As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So there's a promise and a condition. We began to be possessed of power flowing through me, but not of me, provided I took other simple steps. What do you imagine those are? Yeah, I'm in two, perhaps three through 12. Notice how you got new direction all of a sudden. And the power you've already encountered. So as you go through, you'll become more and more aware of that awareness, of that conscious, of that power in your life. Most of you, if you made it to treatment here, you were starting to have experience of that power before you ever came and started learning about the process. That's what they call the bridge of reason leading us to the shore of faith. That's capital B, too. Um, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. There's no requirement that I seek and not out there in here. Does it make sense? To us, the realm of the Spirit's broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek, it's open, we believe, to all men. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, power, power oh, that's weak, come on. When, therefore, we speak to you of power, we mean your own conception of power. But we've now pointed you to where and how, have we not? How many of you have found that areas of your life had nothing to do with addiction, just things not going your way? And you just needed power to carry on. And somewhere within you, there it was. Hmm. This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. Don't get caught up in other people's definitions of your experience. Have your experience. Talk to people who are trying to help you grow in the spirit. And... If you don't like certain words, then look up a definition of the word you don't like and find one that suits you or set it aside for a minute. Do not let a word stop you from growing in consciousness of the power to live. Because we'll do stuff like that. Because we've assigned a meaning that may not even be a meaning. Any of you ever thought something meant something else? How many of you have been to a foreign country and started talking to people thinking you know what you're talking about and everyone looked at you like you had two heads? <laughs> I'm just telling you, we got this recovery culture and we have a language all our own. I, for years now, if someone came up that's in recovery, they'd say three words to me. I knew they were. And this church does the same thing. They got a little language. And, you can, and sometimes, although we're talking about the same power, we hear the other one's language, I don't like them. And I'm missing the moment to grow in the spirit and learn what there is to learn because God didn't arrange that encounter for no reason. God has a way of coming between opposite forces. I don't know if any of you have ever studied a Bible, but one of the things that, that, that Jesus did is he came together and he pulled Simon the Zealot and, and Levi the tax collector together and they became apostles and they changed the whole world. They're opposing forces. Anyway, 
At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. So I want to I focus you on what they said. Affect our first conscious relation. I need to be aware that I'm aware. It's not enough to just be aware that something's going on. I need to be aware that I'm aware. I know that's you, God. Thanks for going with me. Does it make sense? How many of you have been aware you needed off on the exit as you drove past the exit? So awareness of being aware is important. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. That's where we start. This is not a God of my understanding. It's a God of my experience. But I start with my conception, and I honestly seek inward. I encounter power. I move through the process of identifying the calamities, pomps, and worships that have blocked, obscured my consciousness of him. I share it with another human being. They prepare me to go out and make right the wrongs I have done. And in that process, my ego is subordinated to my spirit. And then I become a servant of the power to live. Does that make sense? If this process does not make sense, whoever is showing you doesn't understand it well enough. You cannot move into a conscious relation without consciously examining it with your senses. Therefore, make sure you share your honest doubt and prejudice because anyone who knows, knows, and it'll be obvious they know. And if they don't know, then there is someone who knows. Okay? There is. Okay, we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? You want a second step experience other than the one you had here tonight? We called your attention to something going on within you. Go in a quiet place all by yourself and ask yourself that question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe there is a power greater than me? Confront your ego. And I will tell you this. And some people don't like it when they hear me say this. If you do not believe that there is a power greater than you and you're in a room of recovery, you're wasting valuable high time. <laughs> not because of God, but because if you don't believe methamphetamine, heroin, alcohol, whatever chased your ass in here is a power greater than you, then go get done. And that's not just me talking, that's what the author said. Well, you know, go, go to the dope house, go to the trap house. Take a few bumps. Stop like a gentleman. See what's up. It's so important we get that we come to believe in power. The first thing we do is come to believe it's an illness. Once I come to believe it's an illness, I cry out in the spirit. When I cry out in the spirit, the healer is automatically present. As soon as a man can say he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. That's what I just did for you. Emphatically assure you. When you realize how badly you need this healer, when you cry out earnestly, the healer will be evident. Bill talks about it in the, in the graveyard on his way to World War I. He was scared. And he saw that 
gravestone of a soldier who had survived war and was drinking himself to death. And he was scared, and he saw that, and he was going, and he cried out in the spirit, and the spirit visited him right there. Okay. All right, so it's been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. That was great news to us, for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. How many of you got in that trap? I got I to gotta take the whole thing, I got to believe it all on day one. How many of you, have you grown in the spirit, have come to believe that much more is possible than you ever knew possible and that you've become a far better being than you ever intended to become yeah. simply by being obedient? So anyone that's telling you there's a bunch of do's and don'ts, not so much. It's just about being honest with yourself and growing in the spirit. Make sense? Okay. So, so when people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believed. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. Have you ever had that experience? I'm inspired by that guy or that woman, but I... I just can't get from where I am there. If you could hear that voice, you belong to that voice. All we need to do is wake you up. Does that make sense? If, you, if you're inspired by it, inspiritus, then an awakening is what you need. Guess what 12-step recovery promises? An awakening of the spirit. Okay. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. And this is the simpler level. If you've had these experiences and you've shared this spirit that we're talking about here tonight, that's where you start. Now there's a process to start looking inward, get, at, you know, get honest with yourself about what's there, what I was like, what happened, what I'm like now, not what it was like. I don't know where we started telling that story. I'm insane. <laughs> what it was like, I redefined every moment. How many of you did a little homeless time? Did you convince yourself, like me, that I chose this? <laughs> Only suckers pay rent. So it has nothing to do with what it was like. It has to do with what I, I was crazy. I was full of guilt, shame, remorse. I was hate-filled. And then, pow, I was radically delivered from that to this vessel of caring. Even in my mind when I don't care, I'm showing caring because there's a power greater than me manifesting through me. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Cool shit, huh? All right. <laughs> All right, so if you can feel it, you already have it, now's the time to consider going through the process to grow in conscious relation with it. Yes? Okay? And if you're there, go to chap service on Saturday night. He'll hook you up. Um, but I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Just acknowledge the power within you, although in you is not of you, and start taking advantage of the philosophical comfort that's already available to you. All right? Besides the seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness and unreasoning prejudice. Any of you found yourselves handicapped by those things? I used to hear it in AA a lot. 
I'm sensitive because I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? You're not sensitive because you're an alcoholic. You're sensitive because you're human. But because you're alcoholic, your sensitivity is killing you because you're medicating it. Which is why an improved consciousness of who I really am and whose I really am, as opposed to this limited version of me that I've created that's got me out to here destitute. Anyone know what I'm talking about? All right. So many of us have been so touchy that even a casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. So I can't cling to the old ways if I'm moving in the new way. Pick a path and walk in it. Make sense? You don't get to still be the gangster and be the, the spirit-led angel. Pick a path. Because we, we identify ourselves with, a, with manifestations of self, and they, they defeat me. I, if you want to be a gangster, go be a gangster. Go be a good one. We ain't mad at you. We built the whole house for you. When you're done with that, come here. All right. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we'd try to be on other questions. And they're just talking about the crossroads, where I finally just got so beat up that I, I don't even know that I had any decision left in me. I'm sure I did not. I just was beat up. I was willing to acknowledge I'm beat up. It says, in this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. So now they're telling, <laughs> how many of you got persuaded here by alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine? Because none of us in our childhood thought, boy, when I grow up, I sure want to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Not one of us gets here on a winning streak. So it says, it, in this respect, alcohol is a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. Any of you know what a tedious process looks and feels like? These guys are masters of understatement, right? We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. Any of you? All of that's true, but why? Well, number one, clearly methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, alcohol, and any other thing that would alter my mood or emotion was a power greater than me. And there was no stopping once I started, and there was no way to stop me from starting for a very long time until I encountered power and purpose. Yeah? Okay. I'm going to do, because we're going to run out of time, I'm going to jump from where I often do, and, and I'm going to go over to, um, I want to go to page 50, and I'm in the last paragraph there. It says, here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. When they say that, they're not being disparaging. These guys were doctors. They were lawyers. They were business leaders. They were, they were people of some substance and also alcoholics of the hopeless variety. So they're worldly indeed, and, and that, they're trying to get us to get some gravitas in their, their testimony.
They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. How many of you could use a revolution in the way you live and think from time to time? Because it's a power to live, and sometimes completely stone-cold sober, I still have, this, this sucks. Why me? In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. Does that sound sensory to you? See how they're talking about a real solution? They're not talking about, you know, go to meetings, don't drink between the meetings. There's nothing wrong, good suggestion, but get into the manner of living. You will not, if you're anything like me, be able to do that for very long. You will twist off, you'll be spun like a monkey. We'll see you going down the road like the guy said. Because <laughs> that's inevitably where we go. All right, so power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Another condition, a promise from them and a condition. What are those simple requirements? There's really no requirements in the steps, but there's requirements of me if I want to grow spiritually. Right? It's suggestive, but if I really want to grow, I gotta, you know, I have to worship in spirit and in truth. I've got to honestly want to and would be willing to make the effort, right? That's always the simple requirement. Dr. Bob summed it up. He said, trust God, power, clean house, show others. Is that, is that hard? Okay. All right. So if you want power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in on the regular, trust God, clean house, work with others. Another guy once said, if you love me, feed my sheep. He said it better than Bob. But Bob was talking to drunks. <laughs> All right. So I want to jump over to, because we're going to run out of time, I'm going to run over to a story I like in the back of here. Um, this was AA, I have to check with Sean, AA3, right? Or AA4. This is uh, Phipps. Yeah. So Fitz was a guy one of the first ones that they went and talked to. And he's going to tell you his story and talk to you about his profound experience and we'll see if we can find some power in his testimony. Fair enough? So our friend was a minister's son. Do I got any pastor's kids here? Were you predictably a shit show? Like, you know, <laughs> way to go. You overachiever, you. Look at you. We got a pastor's kid back there. He's like, yeah, that was me. All right. He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration, so calamities. Does it make sense? Business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide. These calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. Any of you relate to that? Didn't get raised in the ideal home, and things were just, there was always drama. And you're always at a sort of heightened sense of alert, and you understood being let down deeper than you ever cared to. That's what they're talking about. 
okay? Post-war disillusionment, ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. So he's nearly killing himself from his traumas from war. He's drinking himself to death, and he's having suicidal thoughts himself. Make sense? Any of you got there? Okay. So one night when confined in a hospital, he was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. Notice the qualification. member of the manner of living and the fellowship. Because if I am not knowing a spiritual experience and known by a spiritual experience, it's not going to be something I can transmit. Make sense? Our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, if there's a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. Any of you ever cried out something like that? But later, alone in his room, he asked himself this question. Is it possible that all the religious people I have known are wrong? Have you ever had that moment where you, you just know and then you, wait a minute, maybe I don't know? While pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. Have you ever been so convicted and so torn up on the inside, now you're pondering the answer and like, oh, now you don't have to convince me there's a hell, here I are. Okay. Then, like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? Now, I don't know if you get that, but if that comes out of your head while you're alone in a room, it gets a response out of you. You hear what he's saying? Let's see what happened to him after that. I'm thinking he was disturbed. What do you think? This man recounts that he tumbled out of bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. You guys know what he's describing? How many of you have been in a church service that's a little Pentecostal? <laughs> Chap does those every once in a while. When God's people cry out, the Spirit comes down with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. And it is unmistakable. Some of you are feeling me as I'm talking to you. We're not talking about concepts or theologies. We're talking about presence. Okay? The barriers he'd built through years swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He stepped from bridge to shore. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. That's a pretty powerful story, isn't it? Yeah. It's available to all men. That's it. That's our step two. Thank you very much.